passages that I need you to turn. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1 first, just to look at a verse briefly, and then we'll be in Philippians chapter 4, kind of as our text verse, so maybe put a bookmark there or keep your finger in it or something, but I don't think that anyone would say they don't want to be successful at, at whatever it is that they decide to do, right? I mean, it, it could, I know that God does not call every single person into the ministry as a full-time profession, as, 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 as you are proof, right? Um, the only one here that God has called into full-time ministry, everybody else, God has called into a, a layman position, right? God calls people to be uh, doctors and lawyers and electricians and plumbers and everything else that you are. God calls people to do those things. Everybody cannot be in full-time Christian service or there wouldn't be anybody that, that's doing all those other jobs. And, and by the way, it's, I think it's important that we have Christians in all of those professions. Well, God's given you an opportunity to influence that profession for Jesus Christ. And, and by that, I mean there's a lot of people that you come across every single day as a plumber that I would not come across, as an electrician that I would not come across, as a painter that I would not come across, and as whatever profession you are that I don't see uh, that you do. And you have an opportunity to reach them. You have an opportunity to influence them for Jesus Christ. But there's nothing wrong with being or, or wanting to be successful in your profession. God wants you to be successful. Uh, success is not a bad word. In fact, it's a Bible word. But like any other word that we see in, in the Bible or in just in, in our lives in general, we have to define it the same way that God defines it. And I think we find a great definition of the word success in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. He says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good, say that word, success. Well, there's a lot of prerequisites in there to make thy way prosperous and have good success, isn't it? Well, all of it we see focuses around the word of God. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Meditate on it. Meditate on the word of God day and night. Do everything that is written in God's word. That's what prerequisite we see for success, is it not? Now, we also see a very familiar verse in Philippians chapter 4, and I think if I were to ask you to quote it, just about every one of us could quote Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Let's read that together. Ready? It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. One more time. Ready? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Very good. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just go to the store and buy a can of success off of the shelf, right? It'd be, be, be a whole lot easier if you could just say, you know what, today let me go pick which success I want. Here, I'll take this can of success, right? And you can go and use that can and you're successful at whatever it is that you try. Well, let me tell you, success does come in a can. I want to just break this verse down for a few minutes and give you some things from this verse that will hopefully be a help to you. Success comes in a can. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the fact that you've called every single one of us to do something specific. And God, I pray that you'd help every one of us to fulfill what it is that you want us to accomplish here on this earth. Pray that you'd help us to be successful in the Bible term of success and in the way that the Bible defines success, not necessarily the way that the world defines it. God, I pray that this message will be a help to us this morning. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Success, number one, requires a positive attitude. 
And I'm just going to take this verse, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, and break it down into small little bits and pieces. And we see at the very beginning of that verse, it says, I can. I can. If we step back a couple verses in Philippians chapter 4, we can really get a, a, a little bit of a, a picture into what Paul had in his mind when he got to verse number 13. Step back to verse number 11 and see what Paul says. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. See, Paul didn't just have a positive attitude when everything was going well. You look at, especially if you take the, the entirety of everything that Paul wrote and everything that we know about him and everything that he went through, Paul went through some very, very difficult times. Nowhere that I'm aware of do we see Paul complaining about his situation. In fact, he says the opposite a lot of times. He says, rejoice. He says, hey, you're going to suffer. You're going to have persecution. Rejoice in that persecution. And Paul didn't just say to do it. He did it. Remember Paul and Silas in the, in the prison cell? They had been beaten and whipped for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And at midnight, they were sitting there in the middle of the deepest, darkest part of the prison singing praises. Hey, and everybody heard it because the jailer got saved later on. And he didn't just get saved because he was like, oh, I wonder if these guys know something. No, he heard them singing. I wonder what those songs were that they were singing. Maybe it was the psalms they were singing. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ because once all the dust settled after that earthquake, he dropped down to his knees before Paul and Silas and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I mean, you don't call a prisoner sir, especially when you're the boss, right? You're in charge of the prison. You don't call a prisoner sir. You tell him, hey, get over there. You do what I tell you to do. But he's on his knees. Sir, tell me what I need to do to be saved. Paul learned to have a positive attitude in the middle of negative circumstances. And you're going to find yourself in negative circumstances an awful lot. It's just the way life goes. We, we have difficulties. We face hard times. We have things that come up that are not easy but we can have a positive attitude through, through those things. When Paul was successful and prosperous, he said, I can. When he was abased and hungry and suffering, he said, I can. He had that positive attitude. Now, we still sing hymns in our church, obviously, and one of the most prolific songwriters uh, probably ever was a lady by the name of Fanny Crosby. And if you start flipping through our songbook, you'll find a whole lot of songs that were written by Fanny Crosby that we sing often. Well, Fanny Crosby, whether you know this or not, was blind for most of her life. I don't remember exactly when she, I can't remember if she went blind uh, at an early age or if she was born blind. I should have looked that up, but I, I don't remember. But Fanny Crosby wrote thousands and thousands of poems, many that were, that were turned into songs, some that she wrote as songs. But of the thousands of poems and songs that she wrote, probably the most influential one that she ever wrote, especially for herself, was when she was just eight years old. She wrote this. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot, and I won't. I don't know exactly what the circumstances are that you're facing. Some of them I do, and I know how difficult it is. You may be experiencing some real heartaches. You might be going through a trial. God might have you on the wheel, and he's trying to mold you and make you into exactly what he wants you to become, and it's not fun when you're going around that wheel and around that wheel. The Bible says in Jeremiah that, he, that, that God wants to remold us and remake us into exactly what he wants us to be. 
And you might be going through that process right now, and it's not easy. You might be tempted by the devil to use things as an excuse to fail. But I'm here to tell you that you can do all things through Christ. Success requires a positive attitude, but also, number two, turn over to Proverbs 13. Keep your finger there in Philippians because we're coming back. But Proverbs chapter 13, success requires planned action. We see in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do. I can, it's a positive attitude, but I can do. Laziness and success are arch enemies. They do not get along. You'll never be successful if you're lazy. In order to be a success, you have to be self-motivated. You have to be willing to add the word do to your I can. Yes, everybody can, right? But if you're just sitting on the couch, even if you do have the ability, it's not going to happen if you don't get up off the couch and go do something. And, and I'm talking about success in general. I'm talking about it in your field. I'm talking about whatever it is, but, all, but especially when it comes to being successful as a Christian. If you're, not, if you're not doing something for the cause of Christ, then you're not going to be very successful as a Christian. In order to be a success, you have to be self-motivated. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 4 said this, says this, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. doesn't mean that the sluggard doesn't want anything. It means he wants it, but he can't have it because he's lazy. The soul of the diligent, though, it says, shall be made fat. Now, there was, a, there was an elementary boy who found himself standing at the chalkboard again, because he had failed to turn in his homework. And it happened many times, and finally the teacher was fed up with it, and she said, you know what? After class today, you're going to stay after, and you're going to write a phrase on the board 100 times. I don't know if you ever had to do that growing up. I did. There's a few times, and I've got, I think my mom kept it, but I've, she, and, and uh, I don't remember, maybe, it was a few years before she died. In fact, I think it was a few years before she got sick. She said, hey, here's a whole pile of stuff that I kept for you as you were growing up, and when I'm looking through it, and there was, there was, a, there was several uh, pages full of things that I will not whatever, right? Or I will whatever. We, had, we used to have to sit down and do that a few times. But here this little boy found himself at the chalkboard writing down the phrase, I am an underachiever. And he wrote that a hundred times. And he finally got to the end of that, little, uh, uh, of that chalkboard. And at the end of that, he wrote another sentence. He said, I am not an underachiever. I just, have to be, I just happen to be cursed with a teacher who is an overexpector. And I think that's, a, that's the way we feel a lot of times, but especially young people as they're growing up. Oh, my parents expect so much out of me, or my teachers expect so much out of me. And, or maybe even you're sitting there and saying, boy, my pastor is expecting so much out of me. If you had parents or teachers or, or some mentor that seems sometimes like an over-expector, then you're blessed because they pushed you to do more. They pushed you to be successful. And in this case, pushing you to try to get you to do more for the cause of Christ is a good thing. Hopefully it's more. Hopefully you're doing more for the cause of Christ today than you did a year ago, than you did two years ago. Uh, and it may be irritating at the time, and I'm guessing, but now you look back, if you had a teacher that was like that, and you're thankful for a teacher who made you push, who made you work, who made you strive. Right? And I hope you, can, I hope you have that mindset that, that, that when you feel like you're being pushed to do something, or, oh, that pastor, I'll tell you what, man, he doesn't, he doesn't go easy on us. He's constantly trying to put pressure on us to do this or do that. And that's, a, that's a good thing. You should want that pressure because it, it pushes you to do more in your spiritual life. I hope. Well, J.C. Penney was born in 1875. He was, the, he, was the, he was number seven out of 12 children. And back in 1875, obviously, you know, 
most people worked farms and, and did, did that kind of work, and his dad was no exception. He did a lot of those kind of things, but his dad was also a Baptist preacher, and he was a farmer at the same time, and so J.C. Penney and all the rest of his brothers and sisters grew up working hard, and the work ethic that his father instilled in him motivated him later on in, in the business that he ended up starting, which obviously is, is J.C. Penney, and probably, I would say, probably the most successful department store probably ever and I know it's, it's, it's fading in its popularity now, but JCPenney really shaped a lot of that department store mentality or the, that department store business model, if you will. And I know that for years and years and years, people would wait for the, the penny catalog, the pennies catalog to come in the mail so they could look through it and find out what they wanted for Christmas. And, and I, don't, I can't say this for sure, but I think JCPenney was probably one of the first ones that started the mail order stuff where you could actually order it uh, you know, through the phone and it would get shipped to your house, right? Uh, but JCPenney had a, a father who pushed him and who, who made him work. And he said this later on in his life. He said, if I could wrap up all my father's counsel into one sentence, it would be this, get busy, son. I'm sure my kids have heard that many times. Get to work, right? You probably heard that a lot of times from your parents growing up. What are you doing? Get busy. I told you to do this. Get to work, right? But that's a, that's a good thing. It motivates us because success and laziness are not friends. God commands us to be doers. And God has very little patience with laziness. And especially if you look through the book of Proverbs, boy, you'll see all kinds of verses that deal with this idea of laziness and the sluggard and the slothful, right? And you should have no patience with laziness in your life either. It takes work to read your Bible. It takes work to pray. It takes work to get up and get to church. It takes work to be a good Christian. But to find success, you're going to have to work for it, right? Uh, 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 Theodore Roosevelt, and I, I might get the quote a little bit wrong, but Theodore Roosevelt said, the, the things that will destroy America are the, the, uh, uh, the get-rich-quick theory of life. That was one of the things that he said in that quote. And there's so many people out there looking to, to, try, to, to try to get rich quick. Oh, this, look at this scheme. You, hear it, you see it all the time. You probably get scam emails or, or spam emails to your email account all the time. Hey, spend $5, and boy, within five weeks, you're going to be a millionaire, right? And people buy that stuff up, and they, you know, they, they're trying to do it, and they realize, well, there's... There's actually a whole lot more to it, you know. That guy that did that was just one story out of a million, and somehow he happened to be able to make it rich, and he wrote a book about it, and now everybody else wants to do it. They're looking for shortcuts and, and uh, ways to get rich quick. Success does not happen without work in the physical world, and it does not happen without work in the spiritual world either. The devil is going to fight us at every turn. The devil is going to try to keep us from being successful as a Christian. It takes work to be a good Christian. Success requires a positive attitude, requires planned action. But number three, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Success requires righteous discernment. That verse in Philippians chapter 4 says, I can do all things. Is that a blank check? Does that mean that we can just, anything that we set our minds to, you know, is this verse teaching us that whatever we want to do, we can do it? Or are there some things that we should not do? There's a couple whatsoever verses here that we find in the Bible that, that really should govern everything we do, and one of them is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. There's actually a couple of verses in Colossians chapter 3 that have that same whatsoever clause on there. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17 
Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Look at verse number 23. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Now, if, 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 if what you're considering doing, you can do to the glory of God in the name of the Lord Jesus while giving thanks, and you can do it heartily as, as unto the Lord, then it's right to do. If it doesn't fit into that category, then it's something that you should not be doing. Well, that eliminates a lot of things that we often like to do in our lives, doesn't it? Well, let me take this drink of alcohol in the name of Jesus. I know, I'm not trying to sound sacrilegious, but can you do that in the name of Jesus Christ? Let me, let me give thanks to God that I can watch this movie with cursing and swearing and taking God's name in vain and watching people do ungodly things. Let me give thanks to God that I can watch that. Let me run, run out here and show off my body so I can bring glory to God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip church because I have other things that I think are more important, and I'm going to do it heartily as unto the Lord. Well, there's a lot of prerequisites that if we would filter everything through those prerequisites, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Give thanks to, the, to God for it. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can do that, then it's okay to do. If it's not, then we shouldn't be doing those things. That'll help you become a better husband or wife, a better father or mother, a better employee, a better boss, a better person. And more importantly, it'll help you to be a better Christian. If we filter everything, if, if everything had to pass through those guidelines, it would probably change the way we live. There's a lot of things that we do that don't fit into those guidelines. That, oh, well, it's a gray area. That's something that, well, people have been doing this for years and it's okay. Can you fit it into those categories? And if it doesn't, then it's not something that we should be doing. It takes righteous discernment to be a success, especially when it comes to being a success as a Christian. It takes a positive attitude, planned action, righteous discernment. Number three, success requires a Christ reliance. Turn over to Psalm 127. I, I don't watch very much NBA anymore. I used to. Uh, back in the 90s when Michael Jordan was winning all his championships, and we were, we were uh, I was in high school then, and um, we, I lived right up by Chicago, and of course it was big hype. We listened to every game on the radio, and, uh, and then when it come to finals, we'd go over to somebody's house that had a TV or, or go somewhere where we could watch a little bit of these games. And so I remember it like, like, like it was yesterday, watching these games go on at the, at the uh, NBA championships and all those things that he won. And, to me, the game's changed, and, and the players have changed, and it's all about, you know, uh, how much can you get paid, and, you know, it used to be that, you know, uh, one person stayed with one team for most of their career. Now they're, they're switching around, and I mean, whatever, it's, if you like the NBA, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but uh, I say all that to say that, that Steph Curry is one of the, one of the well-known players in the, in the NBA today, and, and uh, I respect him as an athlete. He's, uh, he's probably one of the better three-point shooters that's ever played the game. But on his shoes and on some of the other things that he has branded, uh, he has the phrase written, I can do all things. Now, Steph Curry claims to be a Christian, and, I, and, and, and that, he said, is, is like a nod to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. But he gets it all wrong. I can do all things is completely different than I can do all things through Christ. And maybe that's what he means, and maybe that's what he thinks when he sees it. But when everybody else sees, I can do all things, it completely takes Christ out of the equation. Success does not come because I can do all things, because I got a positive attitude, because I am self-reliant, and whatever I stick my mind to, I can do it. No, success comes when we rely on Christ for that success. I can do all things through Christ. 
What does it mean to have that Christ reliance? It means this. Although I have a positive attitude and, and, and a good work ethic and the discernment to choose activities that are pleasing to God, if I try to succeed in my own strength, if I try to succeed in my own wisdom, ultimately I'm going to fail. I need him. I need his strength. I need the wisdom of Christ if I'm going to be a success in life. Psalm 127 in verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It all comes down to a reliance on Jesus Christ. Except he does it, it's not going to succeed. You know, you're not, your kids are not going to grow up and live for God because you did a great job raising them. Now, we have to do everything that we can, but it's a reliance on Jesus Christ. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the church, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build your life, they labor in vain that build it. We can, we can apply that to any situation, any circumstance, anything in our lives. Except the Lord do it, it's not going to be a success. When we pray, we're declaring our dependency on the Lord. But when we neglect to pray, we're declaring our independency from Him. Every time you start a project without asking God's help, you're telling Him, I can do this without you. I don't need you. I've done this many times myself before. I can do it myself again. I don't need your help. But then on the other hand, every time you start a project with prayer, you're telling God, I need your help. I need you. And I wonder which one of those two are going to lead to the most success. I'd say a reliance on Jesus Christ. Well, success requires a positive attitude. It requires planned action. requires righteous discernment. requires a Christ reliance. And lastly, success strengthens and prepares us for future successes. Go back over to Philippians chapter 4. I want you to see this in, the, in that verse. It says this, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, notice this verse says, which strengtheneth me, not who strengthens me. That's the way you see it in a lot of other translations. But the original translation is correct. We already know from the context that we cannot succeed without Jesus Christ, right? I can do all things through Christ. Well, success comes from being Christ-reliant. We saw that already. But the closing phrase says, which strengtheneth me. And if you look at the way that that sentence is structured, I can do all things through Christ is what strengthens me, right? That phrase, that, that idea, that mindset, it, that I can do everything through Christ, that's what gives me strength. What is, I, I think that's teaching us that success begets success. If you follow this Philippians 4.13 formula, you're, you're going be, to begin to succeed in ways that you've never succeeded before. Because now it's not about me, it's all about him, now it's not about what I can do, it's about what he can do through me. That's, that's the focus of our life. That's how we ought to see everything. And once we do it God's way, once we rely on Jesus Christ, once we come to him for that strength, then that gives me strength to do it again and to see more success. And when I see that success, it's like a, it's like a never-ending cycle. I, I, I see success because I do it Christ's way, and I want more, more of that success. And so I do it his way again, and I see more success. And it's just, it's just a never-ending cycle. Every success is going to give you more confidence in your next endeavor. It's going to give you more confidence that, hey, man, I relied on Christ this time, and look what happened. Well, I'm going to rely on him again. I can do all things through Christ, and that gives me strength. 
Success strengthens and prepares us for future successes. I read a story about a little boy and his, his dad. They were walking down the road together, and uh, they, were, they were not even down the road. They were walking down a little, a little path. They were doing a hike, and there was a pretty big rock sitting right there kind of near the edge of the path. It, was, it was in, wasn't in the way. It's not like it had to move in order for people to be able to get past, but that little boy, you know, is obviously looking for something to do all the time, and He's, he was, uh, had a whole lot more energy than his dad did, and so he was running up ahead, and he said, Dad, you see that big rock? His dad said, yeah, I see it. It's, that's fine. It's not in the way or anything. He said, do you think I can move that rock? And his dad thought about it for a second. He said, yeah, I think you can move that rock if you use all your strength. And so that little boy, he ran up there. Of course, he wanted to show off how, how powerful he was, and he wanted, to, he wanted his dad to be proud of him. And so he started tugging and pushing and pulling on that rock, and it, and it, didn't, it didn't move. It was too big. It, was, it, was a, it weighed more than he did, and, and his dad, I think, realized the fact that, that that was a pretty big rock, but he had told him, hey, if you use all your strength, you can move that rock, and so he pushed and pulled on that rock for a few minutes, and little beads of sweat started to form on his forehead and started to run down his face, and finally, he, got, he just got so frustrated, he sat down on that rock, and he said, Dad, you, you said that I could move that rock if I used all my strength, and his dad said, yes, I did say that. You didn't use all your strength. You didn't ask me to help. See, that's the way we do it so often when it comes to God. Oh, I can do all things. God, do you think I can do this? Well, yeah, of course you can do it if you use all your strength. Well, let me go do this on my own. Then. Let me go see what I can accomplish. God, you lied to me. You said that I could do it if I use all my strength. And God says, you didn't use all your strength. You didn't even ask me to help you. I can do all things through Christ. And that gives me strength. Success does come in a can, and not a can like you're thinking of. It comes in the I can, but only when you empty the entire can. And it, you'll find a positive attitude. You'll find a determined work ethic. You'll find a biblical basis for all of your actions, a biblical discernment for all of your actions, and you're going to find a Christ reliance. Follow that formula, and you'll taste success. And once you taste that success, I think you're going to want more of it. But that's exactly the way that it works. It's not about us. It's about him. Whether you're, whether you're working in ministries, trying to accomplish something for the cause of Christ, whether you're working in the physical job that God's called you to do, whatever it is, the way that you're going to find success is if you find that Christ reliance. We can try all we want to. And there are people that are out there that are doing it. They're successful and they're, they're accomplishing things and they're doing it on their own, but eventually it's going to come crashing down. Eventually, it's, it's not built on the solid. It's not built on the right foundation. Especially for us as Christians, it's not about me. It's about him, and it's about Jesus Christ through me. Have I really accomplished anything if I went out there and did it on my own? Oh, look what I was able to do. Look what I accomplished. Right? No, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's look what Christ did through us. And if we look at everything that way, it'll change our perspective. If we, if, we, if we look at everything through that lens, it'll change the way we do everything. We'll have a whole lot more Christ reliance. We can have that positive attitude like Paul did. We can have that Christian righteous discernment like Paul and others did. But we can have that Christ reliance to say, I can do all things. I can be successful, but I can do all things through Christ. And Boy, what a strength that is. Uh, people have that maybe written down as a little motivator somewhere. It'd be a great thing to put up on a mirror. You see it in the morning. I can do all things through Christ. 
be a great little thing maybe to put somewhere in your car. I can do all things through Christ because that gives me strength. I can accomplish whatever it is that I set my mind to if I ask God for his help, if I ask Christ to help me through those things, if I ask him for his strength, if I ask him for his wisdom. Yes, I can accomplish. I can be successful, but I can be successful through Christ as long as he's working through me. Hopefully that's a help to you. Hopefully it's a good reminder to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for the fact that you want us to be successful. You, you, you didn't call us into this world so we can go and, and do nothing, go and accomplish nothing. You want us to accomplish great things for the cause of Jesus Christ. You want us, you want us to accomplish great things even in our business places and in our workplaces. And I believe that. But God, I pray that you'd help us to do it with a reliance on Jesus Christ. Pray that you help us to do it with a reliance on his power and his strength and his wisdom. And that we would not ever attempt to do it on our own. It takes work to be a good Christian. It takes work to be what you want us to be. But I pray that you help us to be willing to put that work in. So that we can bring glory to Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you